Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old from California, personal development junkie. I'm a loan officer by day, podcaster on the weekends. I've always loved listening to podcasts. My personal development journey started early in high school when my ex broke up with me, and I just didn't know how to handle it. So I googled how to get over your ex, and I went and saw all these articles about personal development and really working on yourself. So I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. And I got into one podcast. It all started with the School of Greatness with Lewis Howes. And then I just started to spiral and see Tony Robbins and just see everything and see everyone and listen to Angie Lee. And I've always wanted to start a podcast, but I've always gotten my own way. So I pushed it off for a couple years. And then I got furloughed from my job back in April and I decided, you know what, now's the time. It's either going to happen now or it's never going to happen. So I just did it and I started and I post, I sent all these TMs to so many different people. I thought so many people were going to say no. And to my surprise, a lot of people said yes. So I ended up overbooking myself doing three to four interviews a day for the first couple weeks was furloughed for 10 weeks and really maximized on that time and just did a ton of interviews and it's been incredible getting to interview so many different people from so many different walks of life and just hear about their struggles and how they were able to overcome them and reflect back on their 20s. I've interviewed such a variety of people from therapists to a chef who called off her engagement and called in the one to a singer to multi-seven-figure entrepreneurs to a real estate investor who retired at 27 is making over five figures of passive income every month. And it's been so incredible to hear these stories and these unfiltered conversations and just being able to ask any question that I want. And if there's one thing I want you guys to get out of this podcast, it's just to really live full out because you never know when You never know if you have tomorrow. We really only have today in this moment, so might as well just live full out. If any of these topics resonate or any of the episodes resonate with you, I would really love if you would leave a review and share it with a friend who you think it might resonate with. Today's guest is Renee. I love chatting with her. We talk about how she's built Mozzie Foods, how her personal growth leads to her business growth, what inspired her to create her product, and how she's able to build a remote team and so much more. So let's get started. Thank you so much, Renee, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. Love to know about your background. How'd you get to the place you're at right now? Sure. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's kind of a big question. I am 28 years old, living in Washington, D.C., And I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Amazi Foods. How did I get here? Uh, It was not a direct journey, I would say. Though I think I've always been somewhat of a self-starter, kind of doing my own thing since I was young. But in college, I studied abroad and did my thesis research in Uganda. And while doing that and returning several times, to continue building those relationships in that research, I became increasingly aware of how we in the U.S. market are very focused on things like ethical sourcing or fair trade, but was finding that that leaves a really, really big gap in our supply chains, wherein the farmers 
always stay at the farm level and the economies that have the resources always stay at the resource level. Like there's no innovation happening there. There's no job creation. There's no market access. So there's no idea around the innovation and the value addition that could be happening. So I, having tasted the amazing fruits that they were growing and also having been interested in sort of healthy food through my own food journey, was really inspired to try to make that work. So I was 25, 25, I believe, maybe 24, um, when I got on a plane back to Uganda. My lease was ending. I did not like my job. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, but it was an idea that I had had since graduating college. And so I just got on a plane and, and just took it from there. Yeah. <laughs> what was the process like creating Amazi foods? Like, did you, how'd you come up with like the ingredients and the recipes? Yeah. What was that process like? So I think the initial ideas for products really didn't take me much time. I think it kind of came naturally. I always, I had like a little food Instagram before I started and like was playing with flavors anyway. Um, and while I was there was particularly struck by the two fruits that we sell. So Jackfruit in particular, I'd never tasted before being in Uganda. And this is kind of before it started to be popular in the vegan community here. But the flavor was like a roll up or like, like a juicy fruit stick of gum. It was like as though mango and pineapple and banana all like had a baby. And I had never had anything like that in the US. So I was really excited to play with that fruit. And then Similarly, the plantain chips that we developed, that was actually our first product. I used to smuggle the plantain chips that you would find on the side of the road back to the U.S. And all my friends would taste them and be like, oh, my God, these are better than any other, you know, plantains we've tried. And but they were super bad for you and super low quality and greasy. And so I basically was inspired to take that snack and make it like a healthier, more nutrient dense version. And so that's how we came up with sort of the idea of drying and roasting the product and adding spices um, instead of frying it and just covering it in grease. Yeah. And why do you think it tastes better over there versus in the US? Well, I mean, certainly the things that can be grown in that climate are totally different. So like the bananas we have here taste nothing like the bananas there and I think it's partially because they have to travel so long um you know it's also we work directly with farmers we get it fresh from them we get it at peak ripeness and and we're really really specific about you know the level of sugar and the, the level you know how ripe it is the color which sounds silly but I think it really does allow for that quality assurance with our products and it, and it, and it means it took us a really long time to get it right. Like we had quality and consistency issues for the first few years. It was really hard to manage overseas, but um, you know, it, that level of freshness and attention from the farmers really makes a big difference. Um, and we we're able to capture it right at the source because the product is made in Uganda, as opposed to like many other companies exporting the product and making it overseas. So it's much fresher. And do you have a favorite snack that you've created? If you had to choose one, I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but uh, the chili lime jackfruit chews are my favorite. I can eat those every day. I love spicy, and I love the sweet and spicy together. 
and they taste like candy, but they're really full of fiber. So those are my favorite. And is there anything you would have done differently in the beginning, knowing all that you know now? hundred percent. I would have done everything differently. <laughs> but you know, I think that as the saying goes, you do the best with what you know, and you do the best that you can. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, I think this ties into like a bigger lesson, I think, but I think it's hard for first time entrepreneurs, especially if it's a new industry or a new space, like you see what everybody else is doing and you have no idea what your behind the scenes is supposed to look like. And so I think I, you know, some things that I would have done is maybe spend more time on the front end working on product development before starting to develop the brand or maybe I would have you know focused on different kinds of accounts to start with to make sure that we had the volumes necessary to encourage low-cost goods or you know another thing too is like maybe I <laughs> I think in the beginning I was seeking a lot of advice and just asking and asking and asking and and it created a time of honestly, one of the lowest points in my life, just mentally, because I felt so stuck with my business and so lost because I hadn't taken the time to just like put my blinders on and like figure out what I wanted to do or what we needed to do. I was just asking and asking and asking. And, and so I've learned from every single mistake. We've had things like weird cases of fraud happen where someone was like scamming us and like I lost thousands of dollars. Like we, we've had contract issues with, you know, partners. We've had, you know, farmers that decided they didn't want to work with us anymore, all that stuff. And, and all that is to say though, that like, even though I would have done it differently now, I think the lessons that I've learned from them are so valuable that like, I wouldn't necessarily change it if that makes sense. Yeah. And what helped, what kept you motivated throughout all that? Like going through all that? Yeah. I think a few things. One is I've always, as I mentioned, kind of been a very like curious self starter. I started an organization in college that was like a fitness group. Like I went to a very small school. We didn't have, um, a big fitness studio and like boutique fitness wasn't really a thing yet. So we started like a four students, five students fitness class thing. And I like taught kickboxing classes and eventually started teaching yoga. And, and I think I've never, my point in kind of saying that is like, I've never sort of been deterred by like things not working or not existing. Like I've kind of just been like, Oh, this is like a thing that I want to do. So let's, do it. <laughs> but I, I, so I think that that to a degree, just, you know, I, what it boils down to for me is I'm much more afraid of not trying things than I am of failing. And, and I, I do acknowledge that like my family that's been super supportive, like that plays a huge role. The fact that like, I know if I'm out on the streets, like my parents will come help me. My, my extended family is there, you know, like it, I can live in their basement, you know, it's not, it's not a, it, it's, I, I, I always want to give credit to like the support system that I have and the privilege that I have there because that plays a huge role in the risks that I'm able to take. Right. But I think also truly for me, 
this mission is what kept me going. And that's why I always encourage mission driven business, because I think especially, you know, in times like this with COVID where things wrenches that we never signed up for have been thrown in our way. And, you know, you know, entrepreneurship is going to be hard, but you don't know that your entire supply chain is going to change and all of the market is going to change. Like you don't sign up for that. But I think part of what allows me to go keep going is the fact that I'm, I have these relationships and this greater mission that we're working toward. And I think if all we were trying to do was just like sell people snacks, I probably would have quit. You know, no matter how good the snacks were, I, I think to me, it's so much more exciting to be creating change or, or just being the connection that allows that to happen. Um, even in some small part, that's, that's always been motivating for me. And how did you get really clear on your mission? How did I get clear on it? Well, I think the mission was always clear. I think, but I, And that's a bit of a unique story, which I can go into, but I think the mission was always clear. I think how we convey it and like how we communicate it and how it becomes a part of our brand is always something that we've been working on. So for me and what I tell people this all the time, like would not recommend my business model to anybody if you're trying to make money. It's like, like, you know, we'll make money, but it's not happening right now. It'll happen soon, (laughs) but it's taken four years to even just get to this point. And the mission came before the products, like me wanting to build the supply chain happened before I, I fell in love with my jackfruit shoes, you know? So that to me has always been paramount. And, and I knew off the bat that again, from living there and from noticing the disconnects in our supply chain and just the power dynamic that that creates internationally in the inequity of like, all the industrial countries continuing to innovate, continuing to create jobs, continuing to create value while, you know, the farmers just stay farming. Like, you know, agriculture has so much more opportunity than that. And, and no one in Uganda is going to say like, Hey, I think Americans would love these ginger turmeric jackfruit shoes. Like, you know, you have to be willing to um, kind of create that access in the first place. So, for me, knowing that I wanted a start to finish product in Uganda was first. The question then was like how to do that and how and for and which things and then and now, you know, once it's on the market is like how do we show people that? Um, when consumers generally have like a second to look at a product, like how how do I bring that in to our packaging, our story, our social media? And so And I think what it boils down to is like, what are our values and how can we express those really quickly? So things like connection, transparency, that is something that I think resonates with people a lot. And it's not just like a fluff word for us. I think those words are thrown around a lot, but it's truly like we literally build connections between Ugandan businesses in the U.S. market. So connection is like an actual value. Transparency, like we literally put out our anticipated numbers to farmers. We literally create interviews and videos with our Ugandan teams. Like we don't just say it, we also do it. So I think that that, that's always important to not just talk the talk. Yeah, I was looking at your Instagram earlier. 
Yeah. And I was looking at like the interviews you're doing and how you're really like sharing the behind the scenes. And I feel like you do a really good job at like sharing the story and like sharing the behind the scenes. And like, have you always been like sharing the behind the scenes? Like what inspired you to really share that side of the business? Yeah. Thank you so much. It's the, we just started, or I just started trying to use IGTV more to kind of, I figured this was a good time. Like I personally get social media burnout and like a lot. I actually delete Instagram from my phone most days. But I, during quarantine was finding that like, it's an opportunity to use other kinds of media. And, and like, for me, I was finding myself watching more IGTV videos because I didn't really care about the random posts. I was like, oh, you know, this is a really interesting thought piece or this is an interesting interview. Or so I was like, well, this could be a fun way to kind of for people to get to know us and like break it into little chapters. And, and I'm still getting used to video editing, but I'm planning to do some more sophisticated things like a tour of the factory and things like that. So yeah, it's just really cool to share the journey with other people. And can you go into like building a team and what tips would you give someone who's like building a team right now? What things have you learned from all of your experience building your own team? Yeah. Yeah. So as I mentioned to you pre-recording, we still have a very lean team, but just a couple things on team building. And I've, I've had experience in the past. My previous job was managing a small team as well. So I've learned a lot about kind of leading and I've gotten much better at it over the years. I was not always good at it, but I think one thing first is, and this is kind of cliche, but like recognizing what you're good at and what you're not. I'm very quick to admit what I'm not good at. And I usually find people to fill that gap. So if I'm not great at our accounting, I hire an accounting firm. If I'm, uh, you know, not great at managing our inventory and, and doing the day-to-day customer success and fulfillment for our orders, like I have someone who helps me with that so that I can do the things that I'm good at and keep moving us forward, you know, and, and you can do these things in budget friendly ways. If you're just getting started, like for me, I use contractors, they're monthly, or I have a couple part-time employees that, you know, they work a set 20 hours a week and they take care of X, Y, Z. So I think that that's really important. Another big thing for me too is learning how to both give and get feedback. I think that I'm very lucky in that I've been in many environments from a young age where that was commonplace. So, and part of that was doing yoga teacher training. Um, Feedback and direct talk and personal development have been a part of my life since I was, I think, like 16, 17 years old. And so the ability to point out both for myself and for others, you know, where we're holding ourselves back or what something could be refined or being able to give feedback in the moment and keeping it direct and keeping it not charged and not being defensive or attacking. Like those are all skills that I've really worked to and continue to develop. And I think by, by also showing every conversation about feedback or about, you know, tweaking something, there's an opportunity for the other person to also tell me what they think. It's not just like a, this needs to be this way and done. There's always context given. There's always a question. You know, it's not, 
it's not like my way or the highway. It's like, Hey, I would have thought to do this or like, you know, next time we're posting about this, like, let's try to leave a question at the end to make sure that people are responding and, and explaining why that's important as opposed to just being like, do this sign off. And I think that that level of disconnect within the team can really cause lack of motivation. It can cause lack of direction and it can also just cause like a lack of cohesiveness. So that's certainly something that I, I value. And then I think another thing too is like, just like the transparency of my brand, like I'm pretty transparent with my team. I'm, I'm, I am who I am. And I, Obviously, there's a line of like professional and personal, but I, I do, I don't think that those are two separate people. And I, and I let them know like when I'm working, when I'm not, or like if I had a hard time that week or, you know, it's not, I I guess I try not to set a weird barrier between myself and the team. And how you balance from like being their friend and being their boss? That's a great question. I think that I've had a few instances where I haven't done that well. And that was usually because I hired like a personal contact or the other person would like start talking to me and I'd like get sucked into it and then forget like, oh shoot, like I'm the leader of this company. But, (laughs) and I think part of it also has to do with the fact that like, at least for me, like working alone, being alone all the time, like. I live alone. I work alone. I work for myself. I think I would sometimes get excited just to like be like, Oh, this is human interaction. And like, forget that it was really work. But that said, I think that, you know, for me, I just try to remind myself of like, I guess I don't know how to, how to say it, but like a good example would be like a time I kind of catch myself being like, oh, this thing that this person does, you know, I find very unprofessional. Like, why do they always email me like this? But then instead of putting it on them, realizing like, I've actually set a precedent many times of like one-off random texts about something or like that it's okay to like break the topic of conversation and like complain about this thing or, and so instead of like making it a big deal with the other person, what I would do then is change my actions moving forward. So not in a cold way, not in like they did anything wrong, but just if I saw them acting in a way that I thought was inappropriate, realizing that I probably had to do with that. And then, you know, from then on being like, okay, well, We're not going to complain about the fact that we're tired and like our boyfriend is annoying. Like not to say that you can't like share what's going on for you. I've also had, I've also had team members who have had mental health issues and the fact that they feel comfortable coming to me and talking about it and us finding a solution together. Like I am, I'm very grateful that we have that level of transparency, but I do think that there's a way to hold that as like a leader and a colleague and like someone who's there for them and supporting them as opposed to like me complaining about our customers to them or something like that's not, that's not going to create the kind of environment and handling of situations that I would want. Right. Like I wouldn't want my team to come to me being like, Oh, this customer is so annoying. Like I'd want them to be like, okay, this customer is asking this, like, what should we do? Because that's how it should be handled. So making sure that I was not, doing that. And, and again, it's like, I also know that it's my first time, you know, really leading a team of this nature. And so 
also just taking it each time as a lesson as opposed to being like, I'm a terrible leader, you know, just realizing what could have been, what could have gone off and then just like adjusting it as I move forward. And can you go into what you said before about feedback and not making it charged and what you meant by that? Yeah. So I think a few things about giving feedback that I've learned. One is it's best to give a specific example as opposed to like what you feel. So like, and cause that can be where the charge is. And, and I've also heard this in terms of like emails or handling relationships, like a very good tool is like, sometimes what I'll do is I'll write out the email of like what I want to say. And then afterwards I'll look and see how many times I said, I feel, or I think, and then take those out. So instead of being like, I feel hurt or like, I feel upset or like, I feel like this was super unprofessional. It's like, okay, what are the sentences that describe what actually happened? And, and can you actually point out concretely, like how that wasn't in alignment or, or where you see an opportunity as opposed to being like, well, I'm annoyed that this happened this way because that's not helpful feedback. That's just your emotion getting in the way. Um, and so for me too, like when I'm giving feedback to a team member, I try to take my feelings out of it. I try to genuinely ask a question. And I also really try to give very specific examples of like these two times that you responded to this customer, it seemed very, um, the language was very casual or you didn't seem to answer their question. Like, can you explain to me why you handled it this way? And then after they answer, I can give a suggestion of like, well, if it resonates, like I would recommend addressing the question X, Y, Z. As an example, um, I think another thing too that I, I learned in my yoga teacher training was do your best to give feedback in the moment. So I think a lot of times companies will wait until like a big review period to give any sort of feedback. And the problem with that too is that gives time for it to build charge because it can build resentment on either side. It can build the feeling of like something is off for a long time. You know, there's a lot, I think people can sense when something is not like someone is unhappy or someone feels differently. And so if we don't address those as they come up as best we can, then they can just pile up and turn into something much bigger. So for me, it's like, I'll try to be like, Hey, are you cool? Like, like I'll sending them a text or giving them a quick call being like, Hey, do you have 10 minutes to talk? Like your post today was great, but I had a couple of pieces of feedback if you're open to it. And then just like going into it instead of like waiting and making it this whole big thing. Yeah. That's generally how I handle it. And working on personal development, how have you taken that and put it into your business and how you important do you think it is to continuously like work on yourself while you're working on your business as well? I think they're one and the same. There's a saying like wherever you go, there you are. There's also a book that's called that. That's a hundred percent true for me. I mean, seeing how I operated within my business in the early years, especially like it was so reflective of how I saw myself and, and how I, how I personally handled things. Just a lot of, I mean, I started it when I was like 24. So there's just like a lot of self doubt, a lot of fear of like, like having ideas, but not acting on them. A lot of like perfectionism coming up, a lot of asking other people's opinions and really just noticing like, Oh my God, 
my business is literally a reflection of me or like, and simultaneously, like as someone who's struggled with anxiety and, and some, some depression in the past, more anxiety is an issue for me. You know, seeing those anxiety cycles show up in my business, like there would be months at a time where I'd be sucked into anxiety spirals and nothing would happen. And I just had to learn, like, if I want my business to move forward, I have to learn how to move myself forward. I can't keep getting sucked into these anxiety spirals and having everything come to a halt. And that's not to say that I don't have off weeks or, you know, I don't take time away, but it's more so just... I've gotten just so much better at recognizing the patterns and, and uh, stopping them earlier. And, you know, for me, I've integrated it into the business in a somewhat transparent way too. Like we've done, especially during COVID when I, I was early on, especially I was just seeing how my things, for example, like a journaling practice that I've had for years was something that people were asking me about like that that was a skill that people wanted to know about because all of a sudden they're stuck at home and sitting with their thoughts and like what do we do and so offering that as an offering through the business you know we did a few blog posts on how to get started with journaling we did a couple live sessions where I like did my journaling session with people and I just think that it's very much in alignment with our brand too if we're like wanting to be a mindful brand and I, I need to be mindful of the person that I'm being and yeah but I will say it's very hard to balance and I actually just had this thought like yesterday of like I think we get into the space sometimes of like yeah I'm super into personal development I do it all the time and then like you realize it's like months since, since you've like really sat down and been like okay like am I in alignment with my goals like am I moving forward on the things I wanted to like am I stuck like and I was like yeah I really haven't done that in a while (laughs) so I think just just having that awareness too just really illuminates a lot of the same patterns in the business and and the good news is that as you grow I mean the idea is for me at least the idea is that the business will come become more and more separate from me like it, it I want it to be able to run without me like I want it to you know, have a lot of my values, of course, but I, I, in order to get it to a strong place where it's not just like me, um, I, I think it's also important to like build the structure accordingly, if that makes sense. But yeah, I don't know if that answers your question fully. Yeah. And what started your personal development journey? I do think my yoga practice and my yoga teacher training, I... I think, you know, we all have a few big breakthroughs as we're in our teens and 20s, 20s especially. I think uh, a few that I can think of was I did have very disordered eating issues and I didn't realize how all-encompassing that was and really how much of who I was was being sucked into that and defined by that. And I think in the process of wanting to have a better relationship with food, I started to notice those things. I also, again, yoga practice and yoga teacher training, like the idea of self-reflection and being forced to like ask myself how I'm holding myself in a room and how, you know, we were, we were required to do certain journaling exercises and we were required to dig into what, 
it takes to be a strong leader and what's in our way and what's our voice and things like that. And, and, and of course, all the principles of yoga and balance and, and self-awareness, you know, I'm very grateful to have been exposed to that so young, not to say it was an easy transition. I think another big thing to me, for me too, was I had a long-term relationship that started when I was 17 years old and it went for like eight years and it was a wonderful relationship. I, I, you know, I, I still respect that person. Um, but I think it was like all I knew and I only knew myself in the context of that person in the relationship. And in the years after that was when I really was like, Oh my God, like, I don't see myself in that way at all. Like I, that was actually not a healthy relationship for me and, and really shifting that. And like the first time really just being my individual person, I think was a really big time of like, wow, like I'm, I don't have to be in this box. Like I'm actually a lot of things. And, and now bringing that into my relationships today is like super cool. So yeah. And you mentioned that you did a lot of exercises during your training program. Mm -hmm. Are there any exercises that you recommend for people to do? If you had to Um, I don't remember specifically in my training program, just because I did my teacher training right out of college. So it was like, five or six years ago but I will say a few tools that I do use now one is I have the five minute journal highly recommend I'm on my third or fourth one and it is the only thing that got me consistent in journaling and basically it's combination gratitude practice and self-reflection and I just find as someone who's kind of like a structured person and has become more fluid as the years have gone on it was just a great place to start because you don't realize that it's building this pattern but as you continue it's really easy to see like oh these things are bothering me every day or like oh these things are amazing every day like I love this I need to do more of this or oh you know these are the things I'm most grateful for why am I not like acknowledging that more often. And so I actually found that even just a little like five minutes a day ended up building off into larger like journaling prompts for myself. A couple other tools I have used, I don't use it right now, but um, To Be Magnetic, the Manifestation Portal by uh, Lacey Phillips. I did that around... This time last year, I I did a few months of it and it was really helpful because that was before we were scaling the business up a lot and I was coming against a lot of barriers um, personally in my mind. So um, it was a really good time to kind of think about what relationships I want in my life, what opportunities I want in my life and like getting clear on those. Um, And then another thing that I do, which I'm actually going to do later today because it's the 2nd of August is every month I'll do a board that reflects on what went well for me last month, like what I want to take with me and what I want to leave behind and sort of like what is the energy that I want to feel this month. And that might sound kind of like wishy-washy, but I found that that was better for me than setting just like goals because especially in these days, like, I think goals can also be limiting, even though I think it's important to have goals and, and, and spell those out. I do think sometimes like what we want evolves and, or the way we get them evolves. And so 
tapping more into like what our values are, what we want to feel, like what felt great, what didn't. I think that that ultimately leads to those goals in some ways. So that's sort of how I approach it. What is something lighting you up right now? I love doing things like this. I love, even though I'm an introvert, uh, I love mm-hmm. connecting with people. And and I think that uh, <laughs> sharing our story and like finding commonalities with other people is like super wonderful, especially when we're behind a computer screen all day. So that's something that I find a lot of joy in. I'm also training for my first half marathon that I'm running um, with my gym that I coach at and I'm not a runner and it is called the run against racism and we are raising money for the ACLU, big brothers, big sisters, black lives matter. And we're raising $40,000 and it's in like two weeks. And it's just been really cool to not only like see my personal progress. Like I ran 10 miles today and I've never run 10 miles before. Like that's so cool. <laughs> but it's also like just seeing how we've been able to drive community and like bring more awareness to the issue um, of racism <laughs> has been uh, really cool to be a part of. So yeah, those are kind of the two things. What is something that you're learning right now? I think, well, two, two big things, I think. One is that I need to rework how I hold myself accountable to things. I think that with COVID, it's been, you know, what used to work doesn't work anymore. And, and there was certainly a few months in there where I wasn't really holding too many expectations for myself, you know, just kind of like, as we all do, like trying to get through the day, you know, knowing that your day is not going to look the same that it used to. But I do think in that I've lost some sense of like, well, I told myself I really wanted to like read at least a book this month. So like, let's actually do that, you know? And so I think for me, that's just one example, but like, I have noticed that there are some things where I'm like carving out more time for myself, like carving out X, Y, Z, like, those are things that I still want to do and they do require some accountability. So like, let's actually do that. Um, And then I think another thing that I'm working on is learning to own my time and not attach meaning to time. This is always like a back and forth for me, but I, I have a lot of anxiety around like running out of time and protecting my time and, and feeling like things are going to take so much time and, or like, that I can't possibly go for a walk in the middle of the day or I can't possibly do this. So just really learning to just like listen, like, okay, I feel like I need a break. Okay, I feel like I'm on a roll. I feel like this, like, and just doing that and realizing that I actually get so much more done that way. That for me is like a big lesson that I learn over and over again. <laughs> what is something that most people don't know about you? Hmm. Um, what is something most people don't know about me? I feel like I have a few little fun facts. I'm also a, I'm a fitness coach. I mentioned earlier in the interview, but, um, in addition to Amazi, I teach, uh, strength-based interval classes at a gym called Metabolic. I love lifting weights. Another thing about me is that I speak Hebrew fluently. Not many people know that. My mom grew up in Germany and Israel and we spoke Hebrew in the house growing up and I also am 
like weird with my food combinations when I love in peach season, I'll put peaches on everything, but all other times of the year I put pomegranates on like everything that I eat. It's just, I'm really into like fruity with savory or salty. So it's just a go-to, but um, yeah. And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what would you tell her? Oof. That uh, loyalty is great, but, you know, <laughs> first being loyal to yourself is probably more important. I think I put a lot of, I still naturally have this tendency, but putting a lot of people's impressions of me and being reliable and being one they can count on and just putting that above everything else to the point where I would like, scramble to make things work for other people when it really wasn't working for me. Um, and I think one other big thing I would have told myself is like, it might not be them. It might be you. <laughs> I, I think especially at that time, my eating disorder and anxiety were really bad in college. And I always was like, why are people excluding me? Like, why are people like, why am I like people not like more friendly? Like da da da. And I realized like, I actually kept myself out of things a lot. Like I, I, if I had a binge eating session and felt bad for myself, like I would stay home. Like I would deny an invitation to a social gathering or like I'd be scared to go because I didn't want to drink too much or I didn't want to eat too much. So I didn't go. And like, I never saw it like that until after the fact, like I always thought that like I was being excluded and really like, I mean, I think that was the case sometimes, but like, I think a lot of times people got the sense that I didn't want to go to things. And so they stopped asking. So um, I think sometimes we just get so in our heads or in our, in our barriers and, and we don't see it. So that's another thing too, is like just being more aware of the possibilities of like what the situation might actually be. And are there any questions that you wish I would have asked you? Um, maybe just how to get our snacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do we get yeah. them? <laughs> no, I mean, I just love, I love for anybody who listens to this to reach out to me directly. You can reach me Renee at amazifoods.com. Happy to answer any questions. You can also follow us on Instagram. I'm usually the one on there and answering things directly. So you can find us at Amazi foods. Um, and then we're on Amazon prime. We're in sprouts market nationwide. We're on our website. So um, would love if people would try our snacks they're super delicious and yeah reach out if you have any questions thank you guys so much for listening i'd love if you can leave me a review on itunes please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with i hope you guys have a great rest of your day